happen. So welcome to the show. Eastside K-Boy joins me here for Sports and Hip Hop with DJ Mad Max, Life 65, iHeartRadio. You already know what it is. K-Boy, welcome to the show, man. How's everything going? How's your night? Monday night going? Man, it's good. It's good, man. I appreciate y'all. appreciate y'all having me on the show. What's good? Doing well, man. I appreciate you being here. I've been following you for a little bit now, just hearing about your singles and really putting on for the West Coast because you're carrying on for like the Corrupts and the MC8s and all the legends of the old school that came out on the West Coast. And you grew up on death row and it's crazy that you have that connection with Harry O and just so much history there. But before we get into your whole history, I, I want to get into this damn Jada track and kind of what made you want to <laughs> pen this letter to Jada. You know what's so funny? Uh, I was on the phone with uh, Glasses Malone, and he was just like, we were just having this talk about me really being um, the voice of the streets, but directed towards women. And um, he was like, bro, we just chopping it up. And he was just like, man, you need to do something, man. Why don't you fucking write to Jada or something? And I was like, nigga, that's what I'm going to do. So he sent me a sample and I had and I and I sent it to my producer K Twist. He chopped it up, did the beat, the rest was history. And when I sent it to G, he was like, oh, this shit is dope. It was. What do you think Will Smith would do if he heard that? Because I noticed you put the sample in there. Yeah. The, I think, from... You know what, honestly, I will hope that he will respect it because I just feel like at the end of the day, y'all business is y'all business. No matter what we heard. Or what we hear, um, I don't feel like the business that was uh, exploited should have been to the world. That's just my personal opinion. I get it. They superstars, mega superstars, that life is in front of the camera. But some of the things she could have kept to herself or she could have just kept for a book, I guess. Yeah. yeah you could tell that I, he I, actually I, I cares about her, too. That's all. I know he got caught doing other things as well, but I feel like. He never said anything publicly about Jada in that manner. So I just feel like she owed him that respect. Yeah. And you mentioned the obsession with Pac and how she's always been saying things about him and that they were soulmates in a recent interview. It's yeah. it's like, crazy. You keep picking at that man. I'm just like, I can't, I wouldn't be able to deal with it. Yeah, no. It, it, it's crazy because you could tell that Will Smith actually genuinely cares about her and she just keeps, you know, abusing him. And it, it's kind of just how things have reversed because we're almost paying. I have conversations about this all the time that men are now paying for their sins of the way that they treated women for years. So now we're the ones being abused in a way. You know, it's not to the degree of what men have done to women, but they're getting us back here. <laughs> I agree. It's crazy. But you're on this new record right now because El Nice was telling me about all these new records that you got out and that you're working on. Taylor Port is a new one. So talk to me about this yeah. record that you got that you're currently pushing. Taylor Port. You feel me? <laughs> it's for real. You hear me? Yeah. <laughs> for real. Um, Taylor Port. Dope record. I'm actually sitting right here with my brother Envious, the one who's singing on the hook with me. Um, Man. Quick little story is just, I really don't even drink. So that's why everybody was surprised that I did this song. People who really know me know that I don't even drink. I really drink occasionally. That's only due to uh, people having uh, accolades in their life. I may drink uh, a couple of uh, shots with them or something. So for me to do a full record talking about drinking, everybody was like, huh? So I went uh, over to my friend's spot. 
which they call it the red room. And everybody was drinking this drink. It was wine. And I was like, all right, let me have a taste. This is wine. And wine started really getting me faded. And I was like, hold up. I don't even need the um, like the hard liquor. So I was like, okay, I'm feeling kind of faded. I thought it was due to my lack of drinking alcohol. So I just thought that I'm just a, a lightweight. They like, nah, I really get you fucked up. It's 18%. I'm like, damn, it's a wine? So it doesn't make you feel like you want to go fuck somebody up or shoot up the club or anything. It actually made me feel like LL Cool J. So I thought I was the coolest nigga in the party off of it. So I drunk it a few more times. Then I seen it go crazy on TikTok. And I was like, wow, what a coincidence. I just started drinking this drink. And it's like it's like a TikTok craze. Everybody mixing this drink with certain drinks. The most recent one that I've seen, or the most one that I see that everybody do, is they mix it with hypnotic and like this blue minute made juice and the honey pack. <laughs> yeah, you know I mean, because I guess it make you horny as well. So I was just <laughs> with my boy Envis one day, and I was like, "Bro, we should just do a Taylor Boy song. I think it'd be dope." He like, "All right." We couldn't find a beat. I called my boys from the Eastie Boys, JFK. You know I mean, if nobody know who the Eastie Boys are. They do a lot of blast production. They're actually the platinum producers that did the beat chosen. I'm like, man, send me some. The first beat he sent was the Taylorport beat. And as soon as I heard the intro, I was like, this is it. Let's come up with the record. And the rest is history. I guess I've been manifesting it. I reached out to Taylorport two times on Instagram. They got at me. Then they hooked me up with my boy, Stefan. Then Stefan hooked me up with my boy, L. Nice. And here we are today. Yeah. Shout out to Al Nice, too, for getting us connected and everything and just, you know, learning about your journey, him just getting us connected for this interview. It, it, it's kind of interesting to hear that you don't drink much, you don't smoke much, because you know what usually comes with the lifestyle rappers. Fat Joe's spoken about it. He doesn't smoke either. So what what's kind of made you stay on that straight edge path in a way? Because you know what hip hop is about. It's just not for me. Everything mm. is not for you. It's just not for me. I won't get on here and lie and say I haven't tried it. I tried it, but it's just it's not, just for, not me. for you. I just feel like I don't like going throughout the day feeling tired and sleepy and high. I don't want to be high. So if I only want to be that high, I can't see how these young kids do these these ultimate drugs. Like you want to be that high? I just don't understand it. So <laughs> to me, I like to be functional. And it's a lot of functional people that do it. And that makes millions of dollars. Like Uncle Snoop, great functional weed smoker. Some more power to him. It's just not for Eastside K-Boy. No. And he even teased everyone a few, it was like a month ago that he wasn't smoking anymore. I already knew that had to be some type of marketing scheme. I'm like, he's too invested in smoking. He didn't say, I'm going to quit smoking weed. He just said smoke. We assume that he was talking about marijuana. I said, he's a genius. Talk about that damn barbecue pit. Crazy. And, and he is a marketing genius. And it, it's crazy to hear just how you two hit it off in a way because you that's you feel as though that's kind of your one of your better characteristics. You kind of just that fly in the wall and you kind of aren't the one to just go out there and just push yourself on someone. And he caught that attention in a way where he was like, what's your name? He kind of just saw you maneuvering in the room and you were kind of quiet and you told him that you rap and you told him your name. And he was like that special case cereal, the Kellogg's. And that's how the brand is started for the album covers. No, you, you're right. And you do your research. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> you, do, you do your real research. I like that. I like when interviewers do their research. Yeah, man. I, I was, I was taken over there by a longtime friend, uh, ranch for 1500 and nothing. 
You know what I mean? If y'all don't know about 1500 or nothing, then you just you just lost. You know what I mean? One of the biggest producers, bands, songwriters ever to grace the industry. So he took me over there to the compound. And like how you said, I just like to be observed. I sit back. He was actually talking about football with his youth football Pop team. Warner. Yeah, and I feel like everybody always, he gets this all the time. Like, hey, you know, I rap. Um, even though he's from the east side of Long Beach, I'm the east side, I'm from the east side of South Central. So we try to use the whole common connection to the east side. I said, I'm not doing any of that. I just want to just sit back and get some gang from Uncle Snoop, which I was doing. But since I wasn't involved with everybody, it made him go, what do you do? What is your name? And you was brought by a big talent that I use all the time with my music. So you have to be somebody. You have to do something in the music capacity. So and that's when I told him. And we've been locked in ever since. I performed for his birthday. I think it was his 50th birthday. I performed with Jail Felony. So we've been locked in ever since. Uh, we got to see this collab between you and Snoop happen in the future. That would be nice, especially that he's got Death Row now. I think that would be history because I believe that you're the next one up. And I know it's been a while because you've had the setbacks there. I heard about you getting shot and it, it, just how you went through your own suicidal time because you lost your brother and then your grandmother. It was such like a quick stand right there. But you talked about the inconsistency being a major factor for you do you feel as though right now because gangsters need love and then the jada track and everything that you're pushing right now and all these singles do you feel as though you finally reached the point now where you're consistent to where you want to be at i feel like i could be a little bit more consistent but mm. i'm way consistent than i ever been um so right now i just feel like i just gotta uh, keep putting out content i think now my new thing what i'm gonna do is get the people into me like, you see how you did your research and you're knowing about my life? I need my fans or my supporters or even the newcomers to know about Eastside K-Boy as the person. Because I feel like music is second nature. I feel like that's going to be the easiest part. But once you know my story, I feel like you'll be a little bit more in tune to me. So the certain records that I put out, you can understand it. Because I used to just put out anything when I was younger. Now I'm kind of selective. It takes a long time. I get into my Dre mode where... I do all these records and nobody here except the people around me. You know what I mean? So, and that's not going to do any good. So right now I am consistent. Do I, am I where I want to be? Not at all. I feel like it's still much work to be done. And I'm willing to do that work too. So, And then it's just going to even go up from there. So what are your plans for 2024 to, to raise that level of consistency? It's right around the corner. What do you got? Because I know everything with Shockware, we're going to get all into it. I know all about your story. So what's kind of like the outlook for 2024 right now? Really, man, just really doing a lot of stuff with my bros, man. Um, as you can see, or well, y'all probably can't see, but I'm in the uh, team DJ headquarters. Them and my bros, been knowing them damn near 20 years, we all collectively as joy forces to create this conglomerate called the team, where it's just artists, producers, DJs. And we really pushing that movement because I feel like the industry respects movements. The independent artist is great. Just being a solo artist is good, but you have to have a, a movement. If you look at all the past greats, everybody have a movement. Eminem, D12, 50, G-Unit, you know what I mean? Snoop Dogg. Uh, the dog pound, like, and the list goes on, you know what I mean? So, uh, even if just with the crew names, you know, bad boy, all that, right? 
Jay Z, Rockefeller. So I think the industry respect movements. So I'm just trying to build this movement and push this movement forward. And musically, a lot of people think that it's it's new for me, right? Doing this melodic sound. But when I was younger, I was so worried about what the streets would think. Not even knowing that it's just music. Good music is good music, no matter how you do it. If you sing, rap, melodic, jazz, Latino music, it don't it don't even matter. Music is music. So I said, this new wave of what I've been doing recently has made me more approachable from brands that we're gonna get into. Um shit, you see the Taylor Port situation, that's a melodic song. I feel like if I was doing a traditional gangster raps talking about Taylor Port, probably wouldn't have got their attention, honestly. Um, I just feel like I just want to be a little bit more diverse. And I really love R&B music anyway, so. 90s R&B. Like, yeah, it's not far-fetched for me. So, yeah, I'm a street dude. I'm from, this, I'm from the inner city. You know, I dibbled and dabbled with the gang life and all that. That's cool, but me as a musician and a person, I just want to put out good music, good quality music. So, 2024, I'm going to drop this new project called Flirtatious. I feel like that embodies me. As a person, I'm very flirtatious when it comes to women. I get in trouble for being flirtatious. You know what I mean? For being with the same woman for almost 20 years. You feel me? So, yeah. and anybody that knows me know that's a part of my character. That's my demeanor. Man, I would flirt with your moms. You feel me? At the end of the day, big so, R&B guy, early '90s R&B, Silk, Groove Theory, Joe. Come on, you 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 hear you you hear the samples and gangsters need love. Yeah, you know what I mean? So, and Groove Thiever is one of them, the Tell Me joint. So, man, 2024 is really just work, 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 elevation, elevation, and pushing my movement to team with the niggas who I love. So, that's what we're doing. I'm going to drop this project called Flirtations. God willingly, you may have a project from me every two months. Feel me? That's how consistent I need to be. That's the consistency that we spoke about, and and you're going to put it forth in 2024. When we when we look at the top West Coast, when we look at the R and B hip hop tracks, how do you want it? That's one that speaks to me. Are you kind of looking to drop something like that on flirtations? Are we going to get something like How Do You Want It? Oh, the uh, the I got it record. I got it. I got it. Yeah, yeah. You know what? That's dope. My boy Envy called it too. He was like, "Man, that's the one." I got a special remix already in the can, honestly. So I'm going to drop that in 2024 as well. That's that's how the music will sound, but I feel like it, prog it, it progressed even more. So it's elevated even more. So I think Flirtatious is Gangsta Need Love on steroids. Okay. And I'm doing more melodic. See, on Gangsta Need Love, I, I did both. I sung my own hooks and then I rap. It's a little bit less rapping. On this one. More melodic. More melodic. Did you kind of flip it because with, with Gangsters Need Love? I, I heard about it, just your whole story. But did you take any influence from LL Cool J's I Need Love just in the subject line a little bit? Yep, I did. Yeah, for sure, yeah. I did. <laughs> He's still one of my favorite rappers as well, too. And it's so funny because G Malone been putting this on me for a long time, bro. And I was fighting it as a youngster, trying to fight that. He was like, bro, this is your character. Like, we get it. You from the streets. You're really from the neighborhood you push and you represent, but that's just a small part of you. Like, this is you. Like, if you take over this lane from a street dude's perspective, you're going to be bigger than life. Because a lot of dudes is scared to be vulnerable and scared to let people know that they love dealing with women. 
on this on this on this magnitude. Like you know, Westside Connection is one of my favorite groups, but they had songs like "It's So Many Rappers in Love" on the radio, you and like all criminals. three of them had wives. Yeah, you feel me? <laughs> so it's like you know they paint this picture that's really not authentic. It's like if we was when we was young, we thought like, oh, being in love that was some sucker shit, or having a girlfriend that's cool. You feel me? But showing her how you feel publicly, nah, that ain't gangster. When the most gangsters of dudes gonna cry when they woman leave or even look at another nigga, you hear me? So I just feel like me just opening up and giving you these real life situations with a man and a female coming from the inner city, I think it'd be dope. And I just salute and, and thank Glasses for instilling that into me. It took a minute for me to accept it, but now that I'm in this I'm in this room. I'm loving it. Yeah. And, and your glasses relationship, you, you've been together for so many years now and got connected. I think through a, a homegirl I heard that she connected you with. Yeah. 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 I was a late teenager. My homegirl, Polka, she introduced us when he was uh, with Black Wall Street. I rapped for him. The rest was history. I, uh, Blue Division. Was like first dudes from Blue Division, Black Wall at that time. And then um, I was in a group called the Block Boys. One of my childhood friends named Ace. Ace. Yeah, exactly. So we did our thing over there. When he left and tried to uh, get his life together, I had to. I was forced to go solo, and I've been solo ever since. But yeah, man, to this day, Glass of Malone, older brother Pooh is my manager. So yeah, shout out to Pooh, and he's well respected, and you know he's definitely he, he believes in you. I've heard more than you do yourself. So what's that mean when others believe in you more than yourself? Bro, that shit is like um it's low-key surreal because you feel you you figure like, nah, you know, most people look at it like you just probably see potential dollars in me, right? But he really, really believes like that man will leave his job to push me. And you gotta respect that. I remember when I was calling myself giving up. This is a few months ago, to be perfectly transparent. Like, man, I know so many people. I have so many resources. Maybe I'm just a better a or because I'm always connecting things. I was like, we're going to get in the music industry in one way or another, pool. So I'm going to just be an a or He kind of let me say that. And then like two days later, kind of really called me and, and let me have it. Like, no. Like, bro, I'm willing to give up everything because I believe in you. And you talk about some damn a or No, you're an artist. And you're going to be an artist. And you're going to blow up, bro. We've been telling you since you was a kid that you're going to be a star. I just believe in divine timing and it probably wasn't my time then. But right now, the path that I'm on is for sure the time right now. Yeah, I've heard about your struggles. It is a big mental game, especially when you see your peers blowing up around you. It's discouraging because you should be in the same position as them. And, you know, you were bringing a lot of guys through in your area. Nipsey Hustle is one of them. And I, even Kendrick, I heard. Kendrick, you were bringing him down there. J-Rock, Tyga. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy, yeah. You've been you've been bringing him through. So, how did you get connected with? Because I've heard the Nipsey Hustle story. You guys meeting at the club, and then you going to the shop. We'll get into Nipsey, but I do want to hear you getting connected with K Dot. Well, with Dot was really because my affiliation with Glasses, mm -hmm. and then his affiliation with Top Dog. Oh yeah, because so, you have so close ties to Watts. Yeah. yeah, Glasses from Watts, Dude Dog, the owner of Top Dog from Watts, J Rock from Watts. So. They're from Watts, but we all from the east side. I'm from an area called the east side, low bottom. So just by me being around them and being connected to Glasses, it allowed me to be connected to TDE. 
So I was a part of TDE in the beginning stages. So I seen Dot just be Dot and turn into this mega superstar Kendrick Lamar. So um, it's so crazy. It's a story. I'm going to really start really telling these stories and really have the people really um, um vouch for these stories as well. I was talking to Big U, but that's all another story. But I told Dude Dog this because Top knows that. Top got at me when I was, I don't know, I probably was like 20-something, early 20s, before I got shot. And he asked me, like, hey, what is G doing with you? I didn't know what a joint venture was. I didn't know what I didn't know what anything meant in musical terms. So basically he was saying, like, let's do it together. Now that I'm older and I know all these things, I got the experience that he wanted to do a blue division slash top dog thing with me. Me being so ignorant to that fact, in my, my younger days, I was just so extra out. And I was just on my crib and so tough. I'm like, I'm with G Malone. I'm with Blue Division. I know you guys are from the Nickerson Gardens. Y'all my family. Y'all good. But I'm, I'm still a young, ignorant dude not knowing. Like, I'm just like, nah, I'm staying with glasses. And I always tell him this story. He always laughed. And I said, look at y'all today. I could have been a part of this today. Because all those dudes from Kendrick to J-Rock to Ab Soul to even Schoolboy. Schoolboy wasn't there just yet. But I was around all of them when they come up. Even Ali, Punch. So that connection with me and Dot has always been there because of the relationship I built with them through being from Blue Division. So when we did the record Malcolm X, we actually did it after I was shot. And uh, that was a dope record. And, um, you know, that was one of the records that got a lot of attention from me. And um, I still talk to him here and there. I talk to J-Rock more than anybody. You know what I mean? Because I met him first. And I built my relationship with him first. But I still got love for all them dudes. I just seen Soul the other day. Not too long ago, so yeah, I haven't talked to Schoolboy in a minute, but I know what I seen because I still involved with T Real, you know what I mean, Smack, you know what I mean TF people of that uh, around his area. So, nah, man, the TD man, that's that's my second home when it comes to music. So I love them, and I still talk to Top all the time. I keep telling him like, hey, I'm not that young nigga no more, man. Top, what we doing, man? I turned it to I turned it to LL Cool K. What's up? What we doing? He be laughing. <laughs> He'd be laughing. Uh, no, but you've been around, man. Like, and we talked about Nipsey, and you just knew he was different when you guys met up again because you he remembered you guys from a performance, and he, yeah. he was he said come to the shop. He's inviting you out there. You knew he was different just based on his reaction and conversation with you that moment. But from the music standpoint, because you talked to him about being a perfectionist, and it took forever because you guys have a song together, but he never finished the verse. I heard. So yeah. when did you know that he was different from the music tip? Because we already know he was a different individual as a human being, but from a musician standpoint. I know he was different when he really took his time. He wanted every bar to be meaningful. Mm. And at that time, I was looking at it like, man, you take forever to do verses, bro. I'm finna knock out like four souls in two hours. What's up with you? But it was just his mental capacity of his way of thinking and just he wanted everything to mean something. He felt like if I'm a rap, I'm a rap for a reason, not just to be rapping, just to be rapping because I'm talented. And I kind of took from that too. Like, okay, I understand what he's saying because sometimes we just say dope shit that just sound cool. You know what I mean? We know how to put words together. You know what I mean? And we we like when the audience go, ooh and ah, and that was dope. But he really, he didn't care about that. He really wanted to push a message. And that's when I knew he was different. Like I said, I did the hook and it did my verse. 
he went over and laid down. I'm just thinking he getting his thoughts together, but he actually went to sleep. And then uh, he had to leave in the morning. And by us being friends, I never pushed the issue of doing music. And that's what I wanted to tell everybody. Like, everybody who don't know probably see, like, how are y'all really close the way you say you are? And you never did, like, a lot of music with them. But as you can see, I'm still around Black Sam, J-Stone, the whole all money in. Like, the relationship is real. You know I mean, the proof is in the pudding. It's just I valued our friendship way deeper than just some music. Because I feel like I can get a record from him anytime. And the record will be meaningful once we really do it. It'll mean something. I just hate he had to leave as early as he did. You know what I mean? Shout out to Nip, late great Nip. But, nah, he's always been different. Even the way he thought business. Him and Sam is just different, bro. They're on a whole nother level. But they was always different at a young age. you already seen it. And I felt like we had similarities because we were just po we was both trying to put on for our respective size, but in a positive way. Like, yeah, we from here and we, you know, we do this and yeah, this crip and all that, but that's just a small piece of us. Like we really trying to uplift our community and our culture, especially our people, because we've been bamboozled and brainwashed for so long. It, and it, it's crazy to hear that he even brought your cousin to your house too. I heard that he picked him up, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, he didn't even have to do that. You know what I mean? My little cousin who's who's still alive today, which I'm happy. You know what I mean? Tiny people yeah. out to him. Uh, he was at the airport and Nip was coming from somewhere and uh, he brought him. And then uh, my cousin was like, yeah, you know, he was like, oh, he still stay where he stay at? My cousin was like, yeah, you've been there before? He like, yeah, that's my nigga. And you know, they um, from mutual uh, neighborhood games. You know what I mean? Nip's was from 60s. My cousin was from 40s. So uh, he brought him to my house and he didn't have to do that. Another thing he did when he was out in Texas, because my cousin moved to Texas, Nipsey had a show out there. He uh, invited my cousin and my auntie, you know what I mean, to the show, and he didn't have to do that. So that's all I'm trying to let everybody know, like, the relationship and friendship was deeper than music. So, yeah, man, he was a solid dude. I hate that he that he not here with us right now. Yeah, no, it, it's definitely a shame. And just the thing that just feels so disingenuous is that when he did die, it's kind of – People knew who Nipsey was. You saw the impact. But I just feel like there was a lot of fakeness there. Do you feel as though there was a lot of just bandwagon people that just went on there? Because even Dave East kind of mentions it on one of his songs. He says, sick of people screaming marathon and they haven't want, ran one lap. Do you feel as though get kind of... No, facts. Shout out to Dave. You know, that's my guy. Yeah. Um, man, I feel the same way. I always say everyone wants to feel important or have some type of significance when another person dies. And to me, I feel like that's one of the lamest shit. I understand it to some degree, but sometimes that shit is just sickening because, you know, people die every day. And when you see these certain tweets or these certain uh, comments that people put underneath people post when they do pass away or show certain conversations and stuff, it's like, okay, you had that relationship. You had that convo with them. We get it. But I think people just want to feel that closer to the person when they're not here. When you probably didn't even talk to that person every day. You probably had a cool conversation and you want to show the world that you talked to that person that lost their life. And I mean, like I said, I get it to some degree because, you know, I'm not perfect. I felt victim of doing those things as well. But then it was like, I really know this person. That's why I try not to mention him a lot because... It's like, I already know the relationship. His family knows the relationship. His homies from his neighborhood knows the relationship that I have. So. It, it yeah, kind of relates just, to Biggie, too. 
with you're no when he said you're nobody till somebody kills you it's just people yeah, glorify facts. you once you're dead and it's like where were you when i was alive yeah where was all these flowers when he was here like they didn't even see how far ahead he was he was ahead of his time nobody seen that until he left nobody see the moves he was trying to make till he left nobody seen how great he was till he left all they seen was that he was from six so that's all they seen and that's just being honest the people who knew were the people who knew. The business people who figured him out, like, okay, this is a this is a real genuine dude. He's actually bright. He has dope concepts. His mind is different than the average person from the inner city. Those are the people who knew. But just on a a regular tipping scale, nobody knew anything about him like that. All they knew is what they thought they heard. You know what I mean? From his first previous mixtapes. But if you can really see the evolution. Every tape he dropped, you could see his growth every tape. And I just feel like, you know, King was took too soon. Yeah. Because we for sure would have a record by this time right now. Yeah. And he would have been very excited about my progress as well. Yeah. No, rest in peace to him. One of the best to do it. And his spirit lives on. The marathon continues. People are going to continue to say that forever. But I, I did want to talk about me hearing about your own documentary. So what is this still in the works? I did hear about it. It was kind of be like a documentary about your life story and just all the connections of the people around you. Just is that still in the works? Yeah, I still want to do that. Honestly, uh, that's another thing you ask. It's going back to the first question, like, what am I going to do 2024? That's another thing that we're looking to do and uh, push forward is, is small, short films. I mean, and that's going to be one of them. You know, you just got to just put out so much content. You know, content is key. Other than being consistency, content is key. And you just got to just show people you. And I really believe that once people know who you are, I think, you know, sky's the limit. So, yeah, um, Chuck Dizzle from The Real 92.3 out here in Los Angeles. That's one of my friends I know for, like, damn near a dub as well yeah i always told him he has to like narrate it so mm. he keep getting at me like so what are we doing so that's gonna be in the, the works as well i just want people to see not just my life but see the grit behind all the you know the flashy cameras and see what really goes on like i was just talking to l nice earlier and i'm gonna share it with you as well as i told i told him that people just think that i'm well off they see me doing things like this. I'm in a lot of rooms that people can't get into. They see me with all these famous people. These famous people show me love, shout me out. I got songs with big artists. And at the end of the day, I'm just still trying to be a better person and figure it out. And I'm living a regular life. Like, I'm not rich at all. But the perception is, okay, boy, well off. He's been doing this for so long. He must have it. And I just tell people, like, it's not always like that. And I just got to be transparent with the people. Like, it's not always like that. Like, we have hard days as well. But really me, I'm still in the ghetto. I'm probably one of the rappers that's still live in the ghetto. And that's just being honest. Everybody else, my peers, I know they don't even live in this city. I'm still here. So. When are you and it's planning? it's not my choice. <laughs> and it's yeah, not no. my choice. <laughs> and, and is it, how, how soon is it for you to, to leave LA or is that like one of your goals right now? Is that you're trying to oh, that, want to relocate? That's a, that's a big goal. 
That's a big goal. You know, I, I yeah. have children to raise. You feel me? So that's a big goal. So it's coming real soon, sooner than later. But that's a big goal. But I just let people know, like, this is this is hard work. People yeah. think that, oh, this is just some bullshit-ass job. Like, this is still a job at the end of the day. This is a job. This is an industry. This is a billion-dollar industry. This is still a job. So um, I have to work like I'm going to the post office every fucking day. You know what I mean? The only difference between this is, is I may not get a guaranteed check every two weeks. So I tell people, and that's my advice, is go get you a job. Learn how to work. Take the experience from the working field and start your own company and be your own boss. But go get some type of experience and go work a nine to five. It's okay. It's it's gangster to take care of your family. It's gangster to have a job. It's gangster to have an education. It is gangster to have some type of dignity about yourself. It's not gangster being on the block all day. And I love my homies, and I love other niggas that do what they do, but at the end of the day, gangsta is really making something out of yourself. It's gangster to show the people that already look down on us that we can't make something out of our situations that we was forced to be in, because none of us said, hey, we want to go to the ghetto. We want to live in the ghetto. We want to be raised in the ghetto. None of us, when we was born, said, hey, who wants to go to ghetto? And we was all like, me, 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 me. No, that's not it. Like, we was just forced to live in these conditions because our family couldn't afford the lifestyle that they would have wanted for us. So it's up to us to change that narrative. So go do something with your life. Those are well-needed words for a lot of people out there. And ownership is the main thing, too, because you, you talk about it. That's basically what you're planting the seed for. Build your own companies. And it's it's interesting because when we look at it, your grandmother owned, I heard, like a complex. She owned something, right? She was. An, I know you guys don't own it anymore, but didn't she own some type, sort of property I was hearing about? Oh, yeah. My great-grandmother, <laughs> Lucille Jackson. Yeah, she had owned the course that I was raised in in my neighborhood on 49th and McKinley. And also own the house next door to us as well. So, and shit, actually own a house too on the west side. You know what I mean? Where my little cousin was raised. So she had three pieces of property. You know what I mean? So they try to have a little bit of a entrepreneurship in, in the family. You know what I mean? We got to learn how to keep it together though. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you have something, you got to learn how to keep it. That's the thing. We so quick to sell because we just looking for that quick payday. When you When you keep it, I think that's that's just something that you should have. You should have property. Anybody that's in the real estate world, I don't know a lot about it, but I just know one thing that you do want to own a piece of property because that shit is forever, especially for like bad times, like with the family. Like somebody may need to stay there because it's hard, especially in California. It's high as hell out here. Yeah. So so owning property is is, is a good thing. It's a big thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, shout out to my homeboy, uh, Tiny Dopey, a.k.a. Terry Roden. He's uh, big in the real estate. He's from our same neighborhood, but he took on this real estate game and uh, became a beast at it. So, I mean, you can do it. You got to put your mind to it. Yeah. You know, he beat murder and all that. And he wanted the kings, uh, real estate kings, and you know, from, from the inner city. So, yeah, man. Yeah. How's the gentrification as far as that's been developing? Because I remember hearing in one of your previous interviews, you, you talking about a white woman walking her dog. So <laughs> is the yeah. gentrification, is oh, it's, it? It's still heavy, especially around um, 
where the SoFi is. Oh you know, yeah, with the, the, where the Chargers play, yeah. Yeah, the Chargers, the Rams, Rams where the Clippers is about to be. Yeah. Right next door to the SoFi. So yeah, gentrification is at an all time high. You <laughs> know what I mean? They they trying to kick all the niggas out to the desert. Unbelievable, but it it is believable. I I say unbelievable because it's crazy, but it is believable because I mean when you come to, when you go to New York, especially like my old neighborhood, because I'm from Connecticut originally. I grew up in South Norwalk. Okay, totally gentrified now. It used to be predominantly black. They got rid of all the sneaker stores, all the urban stores there. It's all these like upper class restaurants, and you wouldn't even recognize it. But it, it's just in relation to like when you look at Brooklyn totally gentrified compared to and you're you've been out in new york yeah i've been you know i love yeah. new york yeah nah, but you know what it's i always say this it's cool to rebuild something right but don't kick out the community mm -hmm. that's what we have a problem with don't raise the rent because we because you know we're not going to be able to afford it to make us have to move and then you bring in your own that's what i dislike about it but if you're just coming in and building all these dope arenas and stadiums around and the rent was still the same and we invited the other people to come on in that's cool because you know we so accepting as a minority we invite everybody in as being minorities but as soon as like as soon as we try to move to beverly hills and all that we get looked at like oh no they cannot be over here but it's like we had the same amount of money as you maybe even more but they do not want us over there but they can come over here but you know like We'll get into deep politics and racism and all that shit just been since the beginning of the time. And it does not look like it's going to change. No, it doesn't. I would love for it to change. But me, I'm to the point where I got to worry about my own first. Let's get to, let's get my community and my and my culture and my race together first before I be worried about somebody else. No, you're right about that. And, and I got I, love for everybody, but we need to get this together. We need to come back how we used to be back in the days when. Black people really loved each other and really looked out for each other and policed our own neighborhoods and was really just like, okay, we're a real community. We fucked up. We've been fucked up for a long time now. And I think a lot of it, you know, stems from systemic racism and just everything. When we talk about your track BLM, because that was, oof, that, that track yeah. is like the, the new F the police. No, facts. You know, when I told somebody, I was like, I had stopped writing a long time ago, but that was something where I felt that was impactful, substance, and deep without me writing that on a piece of paper or writing it in my phone. That's when I knew that I was talented, but that's when I knew if, if something is on my heart, I can convey the message. I don't even need to write it down. That's when I knew that, like, okay, I guess I'm a little different because I really yeah. felt that. Yeah, you know what I mean, every bar, I felt it. Black leadership militia. That's come on. That's powerful. That record. I I love it, man. We need more of that today. There's a lot of rappers that are afraid to take risks, and you you've spoken about it. Rappers kind of get disconnected when they leave their old neighborhood because they they touch the riches and fame. And I've seen a lot of rappers kind of just they don't speak out on the issues. They they've endorsed the former. You know, we know who the Trump. They've endorsed him for president. It's crazy what you how money changes a person, and they think that just because they're hanging out with the white guy that they're, yeah. they're down with them. You know, it's crazy when you when you really see see it. I just always I just always feel like, you know, presidents are selected, not elected. So yeah, I just be like that shit is like 
fucking sports in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, feel me? That shit <laughs> I don't even worry about that. You know what I mean? Yeah, we'll still go out and vote and all that shit because it's like, oh, let's go out and change. But I feel like they already selected anyway. Mm. To me. Because I just feel like there's no way in the world certain people should control damn near the world. <laughs> yeah. You know, so to speak. But I mean, I'm honestly not even mad at the, you know what? I'm not mad at it. I said I would be contradicting myself because I, I was on my fuck Trump rant, rant only because my peers was doing it. But sometimes, you know, that was just me being a bad follower. You know what I mean, at the end of the day, he was very open. He was very transparent. He didn't hide anything. And I don't think he's racist. I think he's prejudiced. And I feel like we are prejudiced in some form. So at the end of the day, you got to respect the nigga who tell you straight up. Like he ain't hiding anything. And he's Mr. Find the Loophole. He just found the loophole how to get money from the fucking government. You can't get mad at him. It was a money play for him. <laughs> can't get mad at him. <laughs> Fuck it. And look, at least he was honest about it. He told us. The old man that's in here now, he said, as soon as he come, gas prices going to go up. Shit ain't going to be good. I honestly let, I think he let the whole EDD shit go because he was like, that, to me, that was some small form of reparation. To me. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> he could have been shut it down. That shit went on for a whole year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you feel me? Everybody got a piece of that pie. You hear me? So. Shit, and he got the bigger pay that he wasn't tripping off that. So, yeah, and it's not even just him letting that go. It's just to me, I respect somebody who's honest and straightforward. And it seemed like every time he said something, he was, "Hey, nigga, this is what it is. This is how I feel. You want to come over here? I feel like you need to build the wall." Does it sound fucked up? His approach and his delivery is always fucked up. But he'd be like, "Well, sure." Damn. Okay. Maybe right. Certain issues. Because what's crazy is if he gets in again, I think it's going to be a full dictatorship. He said that once he gets in the first day, he said that's he's going to be a dictator. I think he's just just testing the waters. He he tested it already, kind of with getting his followers to do the insurrection. But I feel as though when he if he gets reelected again. It's full dictatorship mode. Police are going to be ramped up everywhere and it's going to be militarized. It's going to be white supremacy is going to be through the roof more than it's ever been. I just feel like it, there's just something a storm is really coming. Yeah, I just don't even know. Like, I'm not even deep into politics, but I'll be like, who the fuck will I vote for? <laughs> I don't even care about Biden. So who would I vote for? I don't even know. That's the crazy part. Like, we don't even be knowing who we be putting in these offices. Yeah. But that's, you know, that, that that's how they do it. We be so worried about what's going on over here in Blueface and Krishan's life. Yeah. <laughs> and what's going on right here where we need to be trying to really pay close attention. But I just feel like everything is like that, man. It's, uh, what's that shit called? Propaganda. I think they just do that shit intentionally all the time. Yeah. yeah it, it's to basically sell their message and, you know, it, it gets to people and People yeah, get, yeah, it, fucking hide in plain sight all the time. Yeah, we we know what's going on there, but man, I, I want to get back because we got real deep in, into the political discussion. Because yeah, because yeah, you because yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you 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 have done. I mean, with the BLM track, that that was an important record, especially around the George Floyd incident. So I wanted to touch on that because that was such a big deal. But 
I want to get into music sales with you about streams and everything. Just your thoughts on the whole streaming game. Because Snoop Dogg, you know, that's your guy right there, a legend, of course. He said he got over a billion streams and only 45,000. Under 45,000. I'm telling you, before we got on this for this on this call, man, I was talking to L Nice about this. That's ridiculous. That's a lot of streams, bro. A billion streams to get under $45,000. That's like, that's rape. Yeah. You feel me? Like, to stream that much to get that little bit of, of money for your intellectual property is crazy to me. It's like, that's just insane. Like, I don't even know what to say. It's not, I can't even really keep speaking on it because we try to get all these streams and I'm like, for what? We stress out. Bro, sometimes yeah. I don't even want to put out music because I know that I'm not going to get the streams that I know I should be getting. And I know these records are well put together. Like the Jada track. Like, thanks to people like you that feel like it's fire. But I know if the world got to hear it, I would have caused some type of ruckus in a good and bad way. I mean, that's what music is for. I mean, I mean, that's what NWA did. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what hip hop is for. That's what music's for. It's for a feeling. It's to make you feel some type of ways to make you think. It's to make you laugh, make you cry, make you dance. And man, we be stressed out. They don't understand as an artist, you be stressed out trying to keep up with the Joneses in this industry. And it's hard because you're like, man, we doing all this music for what? For nobody to hear. And then when they do hear like Snoop got a billion people to hear, you still trying to pay me a penny on a dollar? That's crazy. I don't even know what that shit be meaning. Like, oh, we get a tenth of a cent. Like, what the fuck is that? I don't even know what that means. Yeah, it, no one knows. It, it, I think ever since the industry went fully digital, because I, I'm still one of those guys, I would go out to the store and get the records. I love going to... Best Buy, Circuit City, yeah. when that was still open. Buying the physical copies. You got the booklets. Let's figure it out, man. Look, man, we need to make some type of petition or something like put CD players back in the core. Because I feel like ever since core, you know, CD players and CDs went obsolete because it's like, it's no way to play them. Every, they want everything on this device that we on right now. And I'm like, nah, man, we should make it like, that's cool. Y'all can still have these DSPs, but man, get these physical copies back in these, in these stores. And let's see who really going to win. Let's see who go because it's easy. It's convenient. Yeah, it's convenient for me to go to Apple Music because I have an Apple phone. It's convenient for me to do that. But if I really, really, really want the record, I'm gonna go buy it. And I feel like we're um, you know, it's not it's not giving the artists that just do with all the hard work they put in to the music for somebody to just pay a monthly fee for this other service that you can go listen to everything for that flat rate. Cause that's what it is. Cause and then it's I'm not even gonna stream. I can't even stream all the music that I do put on my phone at once. So at the end of the day, I'd rather go back to buying CDs as well. Cause at least you give your full attention and you can give your full fifteen ninety nine for your purchase because you love that artist and you love that music and you're really into what what you wanted to go buy. Now it's just convenient. I just think it's like, oh, I'm just gonna go Spotify. I'm gonna go Apple Music. Click title. Amazon Music, that's cool. I pay the monthly fee. I get to listen to music all day, 24-7, without going to buy it. But to me, I feel like it, it'll wee out the good music, the great music, and the trash. Because the trash get pushed on us all day, 
TikTok and social media. You damn near have to hear it on accident because it's on these fucking streaming platforms. You know, everybody's on playlists right now, right? So you, I might just click on a playlist so I can just see what's going on in hip-hop and I might run into like five songs and I'll be like, this made this playlist and I'm not on this playlist? That's crazy to me. It is insane, especially when the talent is in this push because there's so many hidden gems out here right now. And look how long it took for like the Griselda guys to get popping. And yeah, they're my guys too. Benny, my guy. I just recently hooked up <laughs> West Side Gun. I make uh, I saw Kyle that on Instagram. Yeah, nah, uh, West Side. He's a he's a real good dude. But me and me and Benny converse a lot. I fuck with Benny the most though. Benny, my guy. Yeah, one foot in, one foot out. That's the new record. I heard of that. Big Dog with Lil Wayne. Yeah, he's been going crazy. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, look how long it took for them to pop, and they've been doing this for a while. It's crazy, but the talent does break through eventually. It's just not how it was in the early 2000s. In the no, 90s, if it was, bro, if it was a talent, I would have been signed to five different yeah. people by now. Yeah, yeah, but it's not about that. But those are the guys that I have conversations with that keeps me doing what I'm doing because, you know, they got a late start. Yeah, and I feel like I'm having a late start. You know, you know, I've been in it for so long. It's like I'm a little older now. People know, like I'm a little older now. But them is the guys that be like, ain't no age limit of this. Because once, because once you have a high record, it's a high record, bro. I don't give a fuck if you're 55 years old. No, no, it's, even it's though true. he's 40, been out for a long time. He's 56 years old, and he said that he gonna rap for the rest of his life, and he could still make music that will correlate with today. So. And even just when we look at it, even just like your life story and just how it connects with your son, because your son sent you a song of his and you thought he was sending you one of the new artists. And you're like, yeah, I don't want to hear this. And it took you I heard like two days to even for you to open it up. And yeah, you were surprised that it was him. No, yeah, yeah. I asked my other son because they yeah, because like, you were like he sounded like yeah, I'm like, yeah. Hey, why does he sound like your brother? He was yeah. like, uh, it is him, Dad. I'm like, nah, that's not your brother. So I'm not even paying attention to my child, and and these kids know how to get the job done without the studio. So he records on his phone. When I heard it, I was like, nah. But I'm like, he sound like my son. My other son was like, uh, it is your son. <laughs> and ever since then, I was like, okay. He's actually good. I was like, wow, he actually picked this up and he doesn't write like me. But I told him, I said, no, finish school. Make sure you pay attention to English class composition. And no, you want to start off writing because you want to be able to, you know, uh, surpass the people your age. You want to be able to, to um, really convey messages the right way. You don't want to just put words together because they rhyme. And uh, he's starting to understand that. I'm like, but for you not to write, you're actually okay. Yeah. You know I mean, it's a few songs. I'll be like, I mean, open up a verse, man. Let me uh, get on that. <laughs> <laughs> but you told him to, to get in the books because you want him to go to these record label deals and for him to be to know where he's at and who he's dealing with. No facts. I told him you want to be ahead of the game. You want to be a little bit more sharper than the average teenager. Because I'm like, you guys. I feel like the youngsters run the climate of music, not of what we listen to, but they consume music so much and so fast that I know that a label would love to get my son. And they feel like they got so much room because he's 17 right now. I know any label when they hear him would be like, okay, he doesn't have the numbers, but 
hey, we could we could do something with that. We'll make them get the numbers, and we'll string them along for a long time, signing for like seven projects. But he got daddy on his side. We got people like Pooh, Jazzy D. So, no, we got some good people on our side that knows this business. No, that's important right there. And- but he playing basketball right now, him and his twin. And, I, you know, they're in the 12th grade, so I told him after you graduate, you can do whatever you want to do. I had to treat him like Lil Wayne, Mom. Treated him like you cannot cuss until you turn 18. <laughs> I don't care. I know you cuss when I'm not around. I know you're 17 years old. I, or I can only imagine because we was doing the same thing when we was young, but you're not about to do it in publicly like I'm pushing that agenda. And you're not going to talk about the Glocks and the Sticks, bro. No, you don't even know nothing about that. I said, I get it. Cause all the kids are doing it, and I know they never had that life. I said I get it. It's like it's trendy, but I'm like you do not want to get tested because you will get tested. Yeah. And I don't want nobody to think that you know I'm perpetuating that on my child. Like no, I kept my sons away from the streets and I kept my sons away from the gang life. Do they know about it? Yes, I'm their father, so they get firsthand. They know it like a motherfucker. But are they involved in it? No. Yeah. And I feel like I'm doing a great job because. Up till they get a, an adult, and that's when they really make their own decisions. But from right now, I'm doing a hell of a job, and they acting like they don't want to be a part of it. So that's a good thing. That's what I'd be concerned about. Your uncle taught you how to write a 16 bar at the age of like 11 or 10, and then you eventually, I think you were using one of his verses, I think, and saying that it was yours at <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. early age. So how does it feel now knowing that your son didn't need that help and he could just write even without – Putting anything on he did it himself. Like he didn't even need me. That yeah. I feel like that's dope. I honestly feel like that's when you say uh things is hereditary. Mm. Like music is just a part of music and sports is a part of this family for sure. And he got a God given talent like his father and his uncle. And I'm just I'm just happy that you know it's my son. So you know when I'm done with it, I know he can carry the torch and keep it going on. I know your favorite albums, Get Rich or Die Trying, You Got Corrupt, Streets is a Motherfucker. Those are the top two right there. I wanted to ask you, what are your top five West Coast hip-hop albums of all time? West Coast Strictly. Um, Streets is a Motherfucker, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Terrorist Threats. Mm-hmm. Um, Doggy Style. Um, In a Major Way. That's E-40 shit. And, um, I like, uh, you know, always we always debate about this, but I, I'm not gonna act like I don't love the dude. And all eyes on me. Tupac, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Them the ones that I would listen to a lot, cause I, I'm I'm looking and thinking like, I have all of them on my playlist. So, yeah, yeah. In a major way, it was dope. I was really young, but you know how you you're inspired. By your older cousins and brothers and stuff like that. So, you know, I think in a major way, I don't know. Was that 90s? I got to see. Was that 96? I know it was early 90s in a major way. But one of my favorite songs, if it's major, hit me on my page. Ring it, ring it, ring it, ring it. Ring my cell phone. That was funny. That was one of my songs when I was a young kid. So, yeah. And of course, my background. So, you know, I was listening to Corrupt and Snoop and all that. So, yeah. The Chronic's not on the top five. I'm surprised the Chronic didn't make the top five. See, even though I was young, I wasn't into the Chronic. Mm. 
is it a well-rounded classical album? Yes. Me being older and listening to it now, but Doggy Style is more my speed. And like I keep bringing up G Malone because he like, that's you. You know, Snoop really didn't start cripping until later on. You know, nobody knew where he was from in the beginning. If you knew, you knew, but he never said Crip in the beginning. He was a street dude that was on some player shit. When you really look at from the intro to him being in a tub but being washed. And, you know what I mean, almost like to come into America type shit. It's like he was on some player shit. You know, the doggy dogs world, how he had the dramatics and how he was dressed. You know, Snoop in a different life was a player, was a pimp in a different life. And that's what G like, that's you nowadays. So if you go to the approach with the ladies, you're going to win because that's you. Gangster niggas do love women. Women do love gangsters, but you don't have to just be so blunt with cripping and blood. Like gangster niggas are players. Bro, you do that, you'll win. Snoop was huge when it first came out. Different sound, different vocal tone. Everything was different, so it was huge. But when you really listen to Doggy Style, it's not like a game bang album. No, it's a classical dope record that this gangster nigga from Long Beach, California, was on some player shit. Right? Yeah. No, it's not. It's not that gang banging album. It's different. You're right. Players. Yeah. So that's why I like it more than the Chronic. Um, Streets is a motherfucker. I'm a little older at that time. I'm feeling that. Corrupt really rapping his ass off. I love Corrupt. Everybody knows that who knows me. So that's when I really got introduced to his little brother, Roscoe. I'm like, ooh, they similar. Ooh, Roscoe hard too. So, um, and just at that time, you know, I'm just, I'm in the streets at that time. The cover was fucking immaculate to me. He seed up, LA, posted, blue chucks on. You feel me? So I'm like, oh, this is hard. So at that time, it was just, I, I was super into Corrupt. And I, to me, that's one of his best albums. Also, West Coast shit. How about Rascast? You know, Ras Soul on Ice, Rascast. You know what? Rascast is a dope lyricist to me. Yeah, he. But I wasn't into his album. Like, I, I'm not the type of rapper that's gonna get on here and just name dudes because I could just name them. Yeah, like I'd be lying. Like, see, I wouldn't even know Rascast catalog, and I know him personally. But can he rap his ass off? I do know that for a fact. What I did do. What got some attention when I was young? It's funny. Glasses sent me this. Uh, he sent me a picture today where he's about to do physical copies of his version of the Chronic, what he did with Greg Street back in the day when I was younger. And on that mixtape, I rap to the Razzcast part of "Been There, Done That," mm. and that's when a lot of people figured out who I was. So I rapped on that part when Dr. Dre had had to "Been There, Done That." And then when the beat changes uh, and Razzcast raps, I do rap to that same instrumental. Wow. So, yeah. So he was dope for that. I for sure became a fan with that verse. Yeah. Oh, he's definitely underrated when we talk about MC, especially in the West Coast. He's definitely up there. Dope. Yeah. No, no doubt about it. I, I want to get into the game because you. I heard that you met the game. Was it in a bathroom? That's where it was? <laughs> I didn't meet him in the bathroom, right? So, you know, G was already with him. Yeah. So G was already with him, Blackwall Blue Division. But we didn't have that super relationship. So me just being me at that, being a youngster, you know, games of power rule. You know, I thought I was heavy on my cribbing. He went to the bathroom. I had to use the bathroom. Hit him with the like, what's up, cuz? Yeah. <laughs> kind of looked at me, you know, gang tall as a motherfucker. He kind of looked at me like, nigga, what? 
<laughs> but I was like, you know, I'm glasses, boy. I'm capable. I'm from Blue Division. Then it was cool, like, and ever since then, we've been tight, though. Like, Chuck, Chuck give it to me, like, like he's another underrated dude. I know he probably like nigga. You ain't put my motherfucking uh, documentary on your on your top yeah. That five. that top five too. Yeah. Yeah, but that is one of my favorites too as well though. When I when you know what I mean when I got older, like gamers just dope, bro. I think he's a chameleon. He could do everything. <laughs> yeah. When it comes to rapping, man, that nigga do everything. Just like uh, Numenati. That I was actually there for the full process of the album, so that was dope. The whole Illuminati shit. I was there for the whole process. So, yeah, that shit was fire. In my game, that's my guy, man, to this day. That's my nigga. Chuck is my nigga, man. <laughs> I mean, you've Shout been... out to Big Face, too. You know what I mean? That's, you know what I mean? Big Face was another instrumental part of my early career, especially getting me to understand this blood and encrypting in the music. Face was very instrumental to that. Like, like I told you, Glasses got me at a very tender age of me figuring myself out in the streets i was not dealing with any type of bloods at all not at 18 years old no i'm still being very disrespectful towards them and all that i'm 18 still trying to find my way trying to get trying to find your name your credibility but um nah that's why i have so much love from the compton Pyrus, like dealing with them for real for real honestly so shout out to them and you've been around in harry o someone that is definitely a supporter of you. You got that connection with him, the founder of Death Row, and you've been around everyone. Do, do you have a Suge Knight story from a music standpoint? Any Suge Knight stories? No Suge Knight story. Met him one time, shook his hand. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Really don't have no, no like, no, no deep conversations with him, no sit downs or anything like that. Nah, I ain't going to sit up here and lie to the people like that. Nah. Yeah. Shook his hand one time, told him who I was. That was it. Yeah. No, you've been around them all, man. You've been around all the legends, and you're a legend in the making. That cipher with Dave East and Crutch, that was yeah. crazy. I remember I put that on there in the slideshow. You would do yeah. the Wu style. You got a love for New York hip hop too. Wu I know Method Man's your favorite rapper from Wu Tang. You got a love for for the East Coast too. No facts, like even though, like I said, I'm doing this whole melodic shit. I will let niggas know I could still yeah get on that microphone. Need you know what I mean? If I need to, you know what I mean? But Nah, I just, I love it. You know, that's where hip-hop come from. So, you know, I, I love the root of everything. So, nah, uh, <laughs> the cypher came because me and Dave are so competitive. When I when I get with him, we competitive. Like, he'll tell you this, too. Like, we competitive. So, you know, uh, I was there with a couple of other my West Coast dudes, uh, Lil Cotty, that uh, did a freestyle on Nipsey's uh, Mailbox Money. He's older now. And uh, my boy TF, shout out to TF. Like TF, uh, he signed to who he signed to Equity. Yeah, that new situation over there that they got over there through the rock. Yeah, Equity. So TF is dope. He's like from the same area as Schoolboy Q, but TF gets his rap on like a motherfucker. So TF was out there, and I just felt like I knew everybody wanted to work with Dave that particular day. And he was doing his own thing, and. Who actually was like, hey, man, what y'all should do is, it was supposed to just be meant for me and Dave, like, man, y'all should rap on a hard-ass West Coast beat. So you got to give Pooh the shout-out because Pooh put on the classical J.O. Felony because he was like, bro, that's perfect. You from the West, Dave from the East. You know, J.O. was from the West. He had DMX and Method Man on there. That was his biggest record. He like, y'all should slide on that. So I'm like, yeah, but all the homies is here too. 
You don't want nobody to feel no type of way. We all in the studio. Everybody want to work. I don't go to the studio just to hang out and say what's up and do all that. Like, nah, I come to, to work. So I put on a beat. They feel I was like, you niggas don't want to rap. That's why when it come on, he'd be like, let's talk, nigga. Because he was talking to me. I said, you don't want to talk. You can't rap. I said, we all in here. What we doing? And everybody was in a competitive space and the cypher came out dope. You know what I mean? So it, it, it was dope. The Biggie and Pun reference that you had in there, too. That was it, tough. Hey, come on, man. I said, come on, let's rap then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy, man. And I think there's going to be a lot more from you, just what you have, especially because you're on the melodic tip now. And where are you looking to take this melodic thing? Are you looking to collab with some of these? I know you bring you have that old style to you still, but are you kind of a little bit more accepting now because you're dipping into the melodic sound for some of these newer artists? No, I think so too as well. Yeah. Like, yeah, that and me doing it, I think it's really going to be dope because it's coming from me. Mm. Honestly. Like, you did your research. You follow me. You know I got the traditional rap shit. I can rap with the best of them. But since it's coming from me, because of my whole uh, reputation of where I'm from in, in Los Angeles, I think it will open up doors for dudes too. Also, that'll be like, you know what? They want to try it, but they're afraid of what the streets do. Like I told them, fuck what the streets talking about because good music is good music. And realistically, more street niggas is more acceptance to this as well too. They fuck with this. You know what I mean? Like all the street niggas from Bloods to Crip love I Got It. Like it's a record for the women. Why wouldn't you like it? And it's a, and it's gangster enough for the nigga to bang it by itself without a woman being in the car. So I think it'd be dope. And it just allowed me, cause you know, like how in the industry the standard microphone was the U87. I feel like the standard is like if you don't have no type of melodic to you, they don't even want to hear it. It's like yeah. the standard right now. So it's like at the end of the day, it's not doing what everybody does. It's just like all right. You do it, add your own twist to it, and become great at it. And that's what I feel like I'm doing. And I will I will want to do this on a record with, like, Snoop, Dave East, all my people that I already deal with. Like, I would like to bring that element to the record now that I'm doing this, and I feel like it would be dope. Loving Basketball, Menace to Society. Those are some of your favorite movies. Boys in the Hood. And then TV shows, Law and Order, SVU, Forensic Files, those are your favorite watches. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna re how, how are these influences? Are the any of these influences of, of things that you like to watch gonna be put into your short films at all? Most definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, comedic side, Martin. Right. Martin. Yeah, right. I heard you're a big Martin fan. You like yeah. Earthquake, Stand Up. Yeah. Yeah. Comedic side, Martin. Right. Cool. Uh, but yeah, those I felt like those movies was just I don't know, they connected to me at the time when I was young. Like loving basketball. Like I told you, like that's just being vulnerable of, of a of a love story of a young dude playing basketball and end up being in love with his childhood friend. You feel me? Like I feel like, you know, my girl today, my children's mother, uh, was my childhood friend. So I always conveyed that movie to us. She didn't do any type of sports and all that, but we've been around for so long that I just feel like that that was the chemistry. So I think every movie that I really loved and enjoyed just uh, embodied who I was at that time. So, yeah, uh, growing up watching Men's Society, everybody wanted to be old dog, especially being in L.A. You wanted to be the crazy old dog. But 
a majority of us was Kane. I feel like I was Kane. Yeah, I'm from the streets. I'm in the streets. But I actually know better. But I still choose to do the other bullshit, but I know better. And I and I know I'm a little bit uh, smarter than old dog, where I know that I could take my life somewhere else in, in, in the right direction. But I still choose to do this bullshit. You know, a lot more people are Kane, but they wouldn't say that. Everybody want to compare themselves to old dog, but majority of us were Kane. So, yeah. you know what I mean? You ever see the point of view where they said that old dog was just kind of just like they were the same person almost. And it was like his good side and his bad side. Have you seen that online before where it was kind of. No, that, no, that's crazy. I'm going to have to look that up. So yeah. Where, where people kind of just said that old dog was just kind of like a figment of the imagination where it was just the bad side or like the alter ego of Kane. Ego of yeah. Kane. That, that could be that because I feel like everybody got that treacherous side. Yeah. To them. Anybody, male or female, everybody have a bad side to them that you don't want to, you know, everybody got the beast inside of them that you want to keep sleeping, not awake the beast. So, yeah. But everybody is, uh, but everybody is Kane. They want to do the right thing. You're right about that. Big R&B guy. Are you big on today's R&B? Because I know you're, you're super into the 90s. I heard who's in your top five. I think Trey Songs is the newest r&b artist that i heard that was in your top five but who, are you big on today's r&b at all eric bellinger eric bellinger eric bellinger is the nigga <laughs> <laughs> eric bellinger hands down is the nigga right now i'll fuck with eb mm. of course like i said you know chris brown is like it's like i grew up with him you feel me so chris brown and people of that nature the the omarions the ushers you know what I mean, all that shit. I feel like I I grew up with them. That's cool, but EB, it's hard. Egg Bell is hard. And this pen game is, is nice. I fuck with Jacquees too. I like Jacquees. I mean, but right now, EB, EB, Egg Bellinger. Yeah. Heard it from K Boy. I want to get into Shockaware. This is a big movie. The, the creative director here. So. What's some of these new features that you're going to be having on the way from the brand? Because we already know the tees, the flannels, everything that comes with it and everything you've done before, the, the whole billboards and just everything that you were able to accomplish. I heard about you getting the deal and everything, but you bring it Steve Lobel, the shock aware, just so much that you've been able to do. So what's kind of the, the future? What's next? Because everything goes to you. It goes through you. For I, this yeah. So uh, <clears throat> let me clarify that. I brought Steve Lobel back. Yeah. Because he was there first. When he had Bone Thugs and Harmony, Bone Thugs and Harmony and G Malone was the first rappers to ever be like endorsed by Shockerware, the T-shirt brand. So, um, um, ten years later, when I go over there and do what I do for him, I just brought Steve Lobel back around. Yeah, you know I mean, and let him uh, dibble and dabble back with the company and the family. Um, yeah, it was a creative director, but then we brought better creatives around. Yeah, you know I mean, and we 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 built a dope team. So then I just like kind of like moved over. Well, I wouldn't even say move over. I felt like the title fit me more with artist relations because that's what I was really doing. I was helping create a lot, but I was helping, but it was collectively. And I don't want to take full credit for all of that. So that's why I took that out. Me and one of the owners, we like kind of like agreed on that. Like, yeah, I do more like artist relations, and like brand ambassadors. So that's what it is. And um. Nah, man, it's a lot of uh, big dope things going over at Shockerware. Right now, I'm just so focused on music, so I took a step back because I'm just so passionate about my music right now. And that damn near took a lot of my time, honestly. 
You feel me? So, um, still cool with the brand. Everything is still good. Still wear shocker tees. You know what I mean? I'm just so focused on my music right now. But um, those group of people has been good to me. It's a Korean-owned company. They've been good to me. Two brothers and a father. Um, them as my guys. You feel me? They taught me a lot about being a businessman. And they taught a lot. They taught me a lot about the t-shirt industry as well. So um always gonna have a, a special place in my heart. But like right now, I'm just so focused on this music and pushing the team. That's what I'm pushing right now. And uh my ladies brand, Yellow Rose, that's like the top priority for me right now. Well, that's fire. But I did want to ask you this because with the whole thing with Shockware and everything you're doing with them. Do you feel as though today's rap because it because I mean when you look at Dapper Dan and everything that he was doing for New York rappers back in the day with the Gucci and Sal and his own stuff, the whole those big time fashion brands, those luxury brands were always in hip hop. But do you feel as though that today's rap we kind of forget the urban brands when we look at Shock Aware and just everything? Do do you think that it's total now? It's all luxury where we don't even see the urban, just how like jerseys were back in the day, the baggy tees. You feel as though that the new music has just kind of just completely gotten away from the root of the fashion side of hip hop? No, I do think that because, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, you only do what you talk and you only do what you see. I, I tell that to everybody all the time. And when I do these interviews, it's like, if the biggest rappers are wearing Balenciaga, Gucci, Louis Vuitton, you're going to want to do the same exact thing as them. They're telling you fucking when Amigos doing Versace, everybody wants some Versace. You know what I mean? And before that, Biggie was doing the Versace shades and Pac was doing it. It's like every big rapper had his thing. You know, L Cool J was making you wear your pants leg up. You know what I mean? Once so Nelly was making you put a band-aid on your eyes. So when the biggest rappers are doing these trend-setting things, that's what you want to do. But when you go go back to the core things like LA culture, it's always been the white t-shirt. We yeah. always wore a t-shirt. White t-shirt, Levi jeans, you was fresh. You could determine an L.A. dude with some money by his jewelry and the car he drove. That's when you knew he had some money. It really wasn't like a, a fashionable thing because we're kind of late. You know, New York get all the fashion first, and that's just being honest. And me and Glasses, we go through these debates a lot, too. It's like, you know, all these West Coast rappers or West Coast people in music in general, always try to push fashion on people and it doesn't convey because that's not what we're known for. Like, we didn't start wearing Averex and all that type of shit until we seen y'all do it. At the end of the day, being honest, because y'all like a fashion state. I mean, everything come there first. So, um, well, just a fashion coach, period. But like the whole New York and the tri-state area, that shit is like, yes, yeah, very fashionable. So with us, it was just a t-shirt, jeans, you know, if you had that big chain on in the kind of core, you know, it's good with the fresh L.A. fitted or the Kings fitted. That's how you knew that somebody had some money out here. That was our culture. So um, dicky suits, shit like that, that you see the world is doing now. But when we do it, we get called old school. But, you know, in 2023, Jeezy will wear a whole dicky suit in the video right now. Niggas think, oh, shit, that shit hard. And it's like. We've been doing that. You've been doing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, like I always say, I, I don't be mad. Um, what they, what, what I was told when I was young, uh, what they say, imitation is the best form of flattery, right? So mm -hmm. that's cool because at the end of the day, everybody gets something from somebody. 
There's nothing new underneath the sun. So we know that this street gang bang, the way we dress, the way we low ride, the Chuck Taylors, this cultural thing has gone across the world. And everybody will take from of it, take from it, everybody will embrace it, everybody will indulge in it. When we do it, it's old school, it's whack, it's played out, it's dating. But if that's where we come from and that's our origin, then it should go around forever. Because I can't tell y'all wearing some butters. It's played out. Because y'all going to wear butters all day, every day, 24-7 to the end of time. So why won't we wear Chucks and Dickies? It's played out. It's old school. All y'all stuck in the 90s. If we low ride. But everybody across the world want to low ride. It's a big low rider community in fucking Japan. Yeah. Where they take the whole low riding culture. So I don't understand it, man, but fashion is not us. Can we dress? Yes. Can all the young dudes, you know, get they get they they swag on they dress on? Yes, for sure. You know what I mean? It's the way how you put that shit on. Facts. It's a new time. But that's what we we don't have to offer. We have culture to offer the world, but not fashion. Here's a question for you, because I know everything about the whole check-in thing, just how you've spoken about other artists coming to L.A. and just the whole gang culture out there, especially with hats, because you can't wear certain hats when you're out there. Does Damn near every hat is a gang. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Does the same thing apply for jerseys? Like, I get that. Do, do you get pressed for a jersey, too? It's the same thing. It's the same thing. A, a team is a team. The same team logo. The team is a team, man. If you wear the Mariners, you're affiliated with the 60s. Or, you know, Southside and Compton. If you wear the Yankees, that's anything neighborhood or Nutty Block. Or even in Long Beach, the Young Insanes wear that. Schoolyards wear that, too. So it's like in different areas, it means different things. When you wear the Astros, you're affiliated with the Hoovers. When you wear Georgetown Hoya, you're affiliated with my hood with the gangsters or the A-Trade gang, anything gangster crib. You know, the Hoyas, you're affiliated with that. Uh, homestyle grades with the G gangsters again. Um, a Georgetown Hoyas on the west side, you're affiliated with the gear gangs. Um, it's just it, uh, it, it all matters of uh, what side of town you on, what part of the city you on. These jerseys and these hats mean a lot, you know what I mean? And and we still live by that. The colors, no, you might see me in all red. I know a lot of people see the colors, no, that shit played out, but these teams. You just don't wear certain teams for no reason. Got to leave the Mitchell and Nesses at home when you go to L.A. Come out with your white, all white tee shock aware. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So, but, I mean, I mean, that's the part of the culture. It's fucked up. It's sad because you're like, damn, I can't even wear my favorite team in, in certain areas. But it is what it is. Crazy. But it, it is what it is. Like you said, it's just how it is, man. But how about performances? Because I've, I've heard all about your performance, Mac 10 bringing you out. It's just all the performances that you've had in the past. But what are some of the performances that you have on the way? You got anything lined up? Not just yet. Not just yet. Not just yet. I'm trying to focus on finishing this project flirtation. So I think this is going to be another dope addition to this melodic shit. I'm just trying to finish that up, honestly. I mean, if they want me to come out, for sure, but. I don't have anything planned. Not as yet. I'm sure things are on the way, man. But K-Boy, yeah. inspired by K-Dot and Titty Boy, keep the name. I know that you've 
contemplating on wanting want to remarket. <laughs> you got to keep the name. It goes. It's different. Oh, man, you know what? And I'm glad you like the first one that say that. You know, when you it's so funny because my kids said, like, you going to be K-Man because you grown? Yeah, <laughs> I did hear about that. Yeah. <laughs> but at the end of the day, yeah, fit me. I just threw the east side in front of it so you can know that it's me. You know what I mean? Like, I'm from the east side. I put on from that side of the city, and I just feel like, you know, I'm a staple from over there, man. I'm a, I'm a feature. Mm, I love my community. I love my section. Uh, I love the historical part of it. And I just want to be something positive that comes from over there. You know what I mean? I don't want to just be known as like, oh, the nigga from uh, whoop de whoop man. No. I want you to be like, yeah, he came from the east side which is monumental, and he made something out of himself. And it's going to let the next kid that comes from outside of town feel the same way. Like, you don't have to be a rapper or a basketball player, but you can make a fucking positive out of a negative situation, like, all the time. Like, I know that shit sounds cliche, but you really can. It all depends on the person, what you want to do. So, and I want to be better. I want my homies to be better. I want my set to be better. I want my hood to be better. I want us all to be better. You went to school on the west side, I heard. Yeah, I went to school on the west side. I love yeah. the ladies. Yeah, the ladies I did hear that. <laughs> <laughs> the ladies was on the west side. <laughs> oh, man. I did. Before we close out, man, I did want to get into a little bit of sports talk with you because besides the movies, you're a big sports guy. So are you you a Laker guy? Laker, Cowboys. Cowboys. Wow, they had a big win against the Eagles last night. Yeah, yeah. I don't hear nobody talking right now. My <laughs> friends is Darren Sproles. My friend is fucking Deshaun Jackson. You know what I mean? I got at Gilly the Kid, too. All I got from uh, Deshaun Jackson was a fuck you finger <laughs> through the DM. Um, uh, Darren Sproul said, nigga, you'll be crying in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the Cowboys. I'm a big Laker fan. We won the first ever in season tournament. tournament. Feel me? You know what I mean? So that's big for us. It's big for Brian on his list of accomplishments. And then Hopefully these Dodgers can get this together because there's nowhere in the world you're Otani. supposed to win a hundred fucking games and you lose in the first fucking run and you get swept. That's no. crazy to me. Yeah, we'll be all right crazy. though. See who we just got though. Otani. Yeah. yeah. So we'll be all right. And I heard that he's only getting paid two million a year for I think like the first I think first couple of years of his contract or something. Like after the 10 years is when he's getting paid the 68 million per year. So you can go get more players, I heard. So you'll probably go get Yamamoto and all these other guys that are out here. The Dodgers yeah, are gonna be stacked be, up. Yeah, you're gonna be stocked. You're gonna be <laughs> stacked up there just when you think the Yankees are gonna make a big splash because they got Soto. Uh, it looks like the Dodgers are gonna be the the team to beat in the whole league now. Y'all see it? <laughs> Y'all see that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. K-Boys, is there anything else you'd love to let the audience know here tonight that we didn't talk about, discuss, or touch on? Man, it's keep supporting. Fuck with the team. We all hear that team. You know, it's me and my niggas. I got some of the best DJs out here. So you're going to have to link with my homies out here because you're an incredible DJ as well and a personality. So team DJ is the shit. The team is the shit. Just continue to keep streaming the Taylor, Taylor Four record. That's all I ask for you. Stream the record and also drink it and have yourself a nice night after you drink it. You already know, man. And let them you know, let them where they know they can follow you on Instagram, X, Twitter, whatever. I still call it Twitter. Everyone calls it X, but all the platforms yeah. that you're on that people. Everything with. is Eastside K Boy. Of course, Instagram is Eastside underscore K Boy, but everything else is Eastside K Boy. 
All my handles is Eastside Cable. Instagram is the only one that's Eastside underscore Cable. Follow me. Get to know me. Continue to support. I'm going to give y'all good music. I'm going to give y'all uh, good advice and all that. Come take this journey with me and know about the person. It's your favorite Eastside nigga, Eastside K-Boy. You already know, man. And shout out to El Nice for getting us connected. That's shout out right El there. Nice. Shout out Stefan. Man, shout out the whole Taylor Port team. And shout out every DJ that fuck with me, whether it's the Taylor Port record, the I Got It record, and my record, um, 1993, is still being played. So, man, I fuck with all y'all, man. Like I said, we're going to do this for the West Coast, the East Side, Taylor Port, East Side K-Boy, featuring Envious, produced by the Eastie Boys, the team. You already know. Eastside K-Boy, thanks again, man. Anytime, you're always welcome back on. Anytime, once you got an album, roll out, whatever you need. You always be, you always I got you. Place I appreciate you. It's love. When I draw flirtations, we're going to talk. Oh, yeah, definitely. 100%. Got to do this again, man. Taylor Port available on all platforms now. K-Boy, enjoy the rest of your night, all right? You too. All right, man. Peace out. Love.